now it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Muniak. Welcome to the only show that doesn't care about ratings. Our sole purpose is to save souls, on purpose. Go to witnesstalkradio.org for more episodes and syndication options. Connect with the show on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Periscope, or by calling 513-900-8070. This week, Jennifer Peffling from Christian Collegian Network delivers a talk debunking the notion that women can't do evangelism ministry. This entire message is on the Women in Ministry DVD available at witnesstalkradio.org. You're listening to Witness Radio. Due to Timothy 3, we know that women can't be pastors or elders. So what is it that women can do for God? What roles can women have? What ministry can we do? I would put forth that women can hand out gospel tracts. They can witness one-to-one. They can proclaim the gospel open air. They can read the Bible open air. That they can pray for Christians to go out and share the gospel. They can pray for Christians for their needs. That they can pray for non-believers to come to Christ, that they can strengthen and encourage other believers, that they can make disciples and train up others to go out and make disciples. Women specifically are to train up women to love their husbands and their children and can serve in training others, other women, how to serve in their home. I pray that this talk will encourage you. It's a work in progress, and it probably should be pulled out to be two different talks. You understand as I go along. However, some of this is at a ninety foot, a ninety thousand foot uh, level, and some of it is very detailed, and may even have to go more detailed. But I believe that we need to start in what is ministry. Tony Penn says this: Christian ministry is simply our sharing of the gospel with others in the prayer that God will give growth through it to transfer them and transform them. It's the gospel that brings growth in prayerful dependence by people as God's agents. It's a humbling, exhilarating privilege. We need to obey Jesus, go into all the world, and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Mark sixteen fifteen. Who does ministry? Colossians three fifteen through 17 Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since, as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word, deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So who is doing ministry? Here Paul is showing that he believes that all of the Colossians should be doing ministry. That Christians are to minister to other Christians. That we are to teach, admonish. And as women, we may have some constraints on this in regards to when being in the church, but we'll look at those later. Colossians 4 2 through 6, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us. 2, that God may open the door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We are to be sharing our faith 
with others. We are to be devoted to prayer. Christian, we are to be praying for other Christians that are going out and sharing their faith. We are to minister to non-Christians by sharing the gospel with them. We are to be praying for those that go out and share their faith. We are to be prepared to give an answer to everyone. What are we to do in ministry? Christians are to go and make disciples. We are either to share the gospel with people or we are to be moving them in a direction that is closer to God to help them to obey God's commands, to help them to make decisions based on the gospel. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them with the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We are to be going out and making disciples. This means that we are telling people about the law and the gospel, about the judgment. And so... We need to make sure that we're going out and sharing a biblical message. We always want to do law to the proud, grace to the humble. So we, we give them the law and we give them judgment. And then we show them what Jesus did on the cross, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the grave. And that when we repent and turn from our sins and trust Jesus paid that fine, we get to heaven, not because we're good people, but because God loved us so much to do that for us. We need to also train people up to go out and make disciples. So we make disciples and we train those disciples to go out and do the same thing that we are doing. We have them to go out and share the gospel and then train people up to obey all of God's commands. God uses Christian men and women as prophets to speak God's truth to others. Being a prophet today means that you're giving people truth from the Bible, not new truth, but truth that's written in the Bible. Acts 2, 17, 18 says this, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your younger men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servant, both men and women, will pour out my spirit in those days. They will prophesy. When Christians are prophesying to Christians, we see that they strengthen, comfort, and encourage. 1 Corinthians 14.3 But the one who prophesies speak to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. When Christians are prophesying to non-Christians, we see something else. 1 Corinthians 14.24-25 But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are con- Convicted of sin and brought under judgment by all. As the secrets of their heart are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. We can see here that one aspect of prophesying is to show people their sin and explaining the judgment. Showing people their sin and showing them their judgment. All Christians, if trained correctly, in God's word, and are submitted to the Spirit, and have progressed in sanctification, are able to instruct one another. Romans 15, 14. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. In ministry, we are to teach one another. All Christians are partners in the gospel and are to stand strong and suffer for the gospel. Philippians 1, 27 through 30. 
Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw. I had, and now hear that I still have. All Christians are to be partners in the gospel. They are to suffer for the gospel, but they are also to encourage one another. All Christians are to encourage one another. Hebrews 3.13 But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. All Christians are to serve each other. Matthew 20, 26-28 Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. As women, if we are married and we have children, we are to serve our husbands at home and in their ministries if possible. Now, my husband, he's a, he's a, a worship leader at our church. I have zero musical talent, and so I'm not able to help him in many ways. The only thing I can do for him is make sure the kids stay, you know, stay away from him while he's uh, practicing and get the kids to church. Now, other, other uh, husbands have different ministries, and you are able to help them, then that is a, a wonderful thing. The other part is, is that I'm to train up my, my children to be disciples of Christ. I want to train them up to be able to do everything that I can do. Just like when I'm on the college campus training up the students to do all that I can do. At home, I want to make sure that my kids understand God's Word and that they can obey and that they will obey the Bible and that they will be able to do all the things that I can do. And so, even if you're a stay-home mom of 10, you are doing ministry at home. However, that does not get you out of doing ministry outside of the home. The home is obviously your first ministry with your husband and your children in that order. However, when you're out at the grocery store or when you're at the library, when you're at the park, you'll be able to minister to other people while you're there. The Bible says to go into all the world and claim the gospel to the whole creation. This is also to the mom of 10. So far, we know that women can, can serve each other, they can encourage, they can be partners in the gospel, they can stand strong and suffer for the gospel and share the truth of God's word. How each person does this will be different depending upon the person. However, the message is still the same. The gospel does not change depending upon who you are or how you serve. If you serve in the church, cleaning the church, praise Jesus. That doesn't get you out of telling people at the grocery store about Jesus. If you're, if you, you should serve in the church. However, that does not negate sharing the gospel with others. What do we see women in the Bible doing? We see women in leadership leading other women. Exodus 15, 20. When Miriam the prophet's, prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. Women in the Old Testament were judge and prophetesses. Uh, Judges 4, 4 through 5, we see Deborah in this role. Hulada in 2 Kings 22 is a prophetess. 
And King Josiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He, he had the, the, them go into the temple and find the money and give it to those who were fixing up the temple. In that process, they found the book of the law. The book of the law was read to him, and he tore his clothes. He was grieved. He was penitent. He was humbled. And he, he wanted them to go to the, to the prophetess and inquire about the book. The prophetess tells him about God's wrath. But she also tells him, since he was humble and penitent, that there is God's mercy. And so we see a prophetess tells men about God's wrath and God's mercy. Ray Comfort says the following, Scripture names a number of women who were Paul's fellow workers in the gospel, Romans 16, 3, 9, and 12. This is a reference to the task of evangelism, Son ergos, as those who helped Paul in spreading the gospel. Paul used this term not only for men, but he also used it for women. In the case of Priscilla, Romans 16.3, Eudora, Sincle, and other women Paul commended for their labor, Philippians 4.2-3. We also see Mary and Perseus, Typhina, Typhona, See Romans 16, 6, and 12. We see Lydia proclaiming the gospel publicly in Acts. In Acts 18, 24 through 28, we have a husband and a wife, Priscilla and Aquila, and they explain the gospel more clearly to Apollos. And so we see that a woman, that, that she is involved in instructing a young believer to be understand the gospel more clearly. This example shows that women can be involved with sharing the gospel and urging belief outside of the church setting. In the first century AD, we do not see women, women would not be making conversations with men, they would not be speaking out publicly. The Roman culture would have prohibited that. And so we do not see many biblical examples of women out and about. However, in the 21st century, it's not strange to see a woman speaking publicly. It's not strange to see a woman starting a conversation with a man. And so culturally, there's no prohibition today or objection to women sharing the gospel out, outdoors. We must be sure that uh, there isn't a biblical prohibition about this, but I don't see one in scripture. Imagine Jesus walking onto your local college campus. What would he say? Would he be like Matthew chapter 9, seeing the people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? And say, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. At Christian Collegiate Network, we are sending workers into the harvest. We are training students how to proclaim the glorious gospel. If you want to support our ministry at Christian Collegiate Network by becoming a campus leader or financially, go to changeyourcampus.com. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, is seen as a combination command for Jesus. Every believer is to go and make disciples. And then the baptizing is for the church. And then teaching them to observe all things can happen in many different places. In the church, men over men, but outside of the church, we see something different. We can see in informal settings, like we saw with Priscilla, that women and men can teach. If we're not bringing a reproach on the name of Christ by sharing our faith, then we need to be engaged in urging the lost to repent and trust Christ. Titus 3 through 8. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. 
They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger women to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opportunity may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. If you're an older woman, you are to teach younger women to love their husbands and love their children, teaching them how to handle a household, training them up how to train up their children, training them up how to make their children disciples. Uh, Women doing this helped me to come to Christ. I needed help to know how to handle my household, how to be a good mom. And in that process, I was learning, I learned about Jesus. And it turned out though that I had to go outside of the church to actually hear the gospel, but it pushed me in that right direction. And so women, women training up other women, you can save souls that way. Philippians 4 and 3. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and rest of my fellow workers. Those names are written in the book of life. This is Paul talking about fellow workers and evangelism. Ray Comfort says this, Scripture names a number of women who were Paul's fellow workers in the gospel. See Romans 16, 3, 9, and 12. This is a reference to the task of evangelism, Saneros, son Ergos, as those who helped Paul in spreading the gospel. Paul used the term not only for men, but he used it for women. As in the case of Priscilla, Eudora, Synecles, other women Paul commended for the labor of the Lord were Mary, Perseus, Typhina, and Typhosa. I pray that I said those right. Probably not. And those were in Romans six, Romans sixteen six to twelve six and twelve, Ephesians four eleven through twelve. So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip His people for works of service, that the body of Christ may be built up. So prophets exist in the New Testament. They didn't go away. The prophets give us the truth of God's word. The prophets and evangelists are something different than pastors and teachers. Women cannot be pastors and teachers in the church. However, they they can be prophets. They can be evangelists. And they can be used to equip the saints. And they can be used to teach outside of the church in in an informal setting outside of the church. We see many prophets, women prophets, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Uh, We see women being fellow workers in evangelism. So what does the Bible say about women in the church? You heard me say over and over again, outside of the church, inside of the church. Now we're going to talk about inside the church. And these are the verses that are used to say that women cannot proclaim the gospel outside of the church. However, we'll see that this is clear inside the church. Let's look at the verses that people say. 1 Timothy 2, 11-13, A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet, for Adam was born first and then for Eve. Quietness is the Greek word 
Hesheron refers to a peaceable way of life that every Christian is supposed to live in this way. Hesheron is is the opposite of of taking authority over men. It's the opposite of being argumentative. Here we're talking about the structure in the church. He's speaking about who can lead in the church. He's not talking about speaking to the lost about their salvation. John Piper on his blog says about 1 Timothy 2.12, he is is saying in essence, I do not permit a woman to fill the office of elder in the church. Thomas Shiner says this in context of verse 12, he suggests that that submission of all women to all men is not in view, for not all men taught and had authority when the church is gathered. So this being stated, women do not have to submit to all men. Only those who are in authority in their churches. All men do not have authority over all women. So if a woman is to share the gospel with a man, she is not usurping his authority because he has no authority over her. A woman has to submit to her pastor, to her elder, and to her own husband. If a woman shares the gospel with a man in a whisper, in a private conversation, or proclaims it open air, she's not exerting authority over them. She's not usurping their authority because they have no authority over that woman. If you look at 1 Timothy 3.15, you can see that this passage is about the order of the church, instructions for fellowship during worship under the authority of the elders and the pastor. Women are not to have authority to teach the word of God to men in the church or have authority over the men in the church. Pastors and elders are called to have that authority. They have to live up to a certain standard. They, elders, administer the sacraments. They feed, they discipline, they disciple the church. Witnessing is giving a testimony about what God has done for you. So every person walking around is a living, every person who is repentant with their faith in Jesus, every Christian is a walking testimony about what God has done for them. So evangelism does not give you authority over the person that you're witnessing to. When you witness, you have no authority over that person. When we read the Bible out loud, we are giving a witness for what God has already done. When we're doing open air, if a person is giving a sermon, however, that is to Christians, there's probably a line that's been crossed. The church is for Christians, for for building them up. However, out on the street, we're witnessing to non-Christians. And if you're giving a, a sermon that should be given in a church, and you're a woman, you've definitely crossed the line. And if you're a man, it's for someone else's talk. Is there a case where God sent a woman to tell men what God has done? Yes, there is a time. Look at Matthew 28, 7. You can see that the angel tells the women to go and tell the disciples that Jesus has risen from the grave. She is proclaiming what God has already done. She is, God cannot sin. And he has told women to go and proclaim that message to men. The next verse is often used to say that women cannot proclaim the gospel in the open air. 1 Corinthians 14 
33-35. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. This states that a woman cannot teach or preach in the church during the worship service. Again, this is about within the church, and we're not speaking to non-believers. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11.3. But every woman who prays and prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. Now this shows that women will pray and they will prophesy in a public arena where other people are there. And we know that from 1 Corinthians 14, what happens when a person prophesies to a Christian? They are encouraged and strengthened, but when they prophesy to a non-Christian, what happens? 1 Corinthians 14, 24-25 They are convicted of sin and brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. She is saying, so here this is saying that women will prophesy. Why well, mention how they can dress, that they have to have a head covering if they're not going, if they're not allowed to do it. If a woman can be a prophet and she can speak the truth, then she can speak such things to an unbeliever, regardless of if they're a man or a woman. And that non-believer will have to hear things about sin and judgment. We need to show them the truth of the gospel. So a woman can proclaim these things to a man. A woman can be a prophet, and we've seen the reaction already, that they would praise Jesus, that they would praise God, right? Um, in the Old Testament, we have prophets heralding a message of God at the city gates. Jonah gave the message of repentance in the city streets. So that's what prophets do, is that they go into the city streets and proclaim God's truth about wrath, about repentance, and about God's mercy. Recomfort says the following, If Paul was speaking of the task of evangelism when he said that a woman should be silent, then all women should ignore the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Instead, they should be silent. Again, if it is general conduct, admonition to Christian women, she should neither testify one-to-one nor to one-to-a-hundred. She should be in silence. However, there is no reason to believe the Great Commission was restricted to men. She saw fit to give women the power to be witnesses on the day of Pentecost, Acts 1, 14, 2, 1 through 4. God had promised his power to witness to women as well as to men. And on my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out in those days my spirit, Acts 2, 18. The Bible doesn't say how beautiful are the feet of men who preach the gospel of peace or go men into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In both cases, the word preach is the Greek word caruso, and it means to herald as a public crier. If you are a man or a woman, you are commanded to preach the gospel, to raise your voice as a town crier. After women at the well met the Savior, she witnessed two men, John 4.28. Did she do this on a one-to-one -one basis and then become silent when another man gathered? No, she did not. Thank God she wasn't silent. And many of the Samaritans in that city believed on him and saying of the woman which testified, she told me all that I ever did, John 4, 39. 
Some say that a woman should not raise her voice to share the gospel. By doing so, she's losing her feminine qualities. And if we, we take this argument to its conclusion, what should a woman do if she's talking to one person and then another person comes over? Should she, should she shoo them away before she shares or she should raise her voice so that everyone can hear the gospel? Some say that a woman should, would lose her feminine qualities to herald the open air. And they say that because she has to be gentle. We'll look at 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart and the imperishable beauty of the gentle, humble, and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husband. In this verse, you can see clearly that the beauty comes from being peaceable with your husband to living in a way where you're submitting to your husband. So when there's a disagreement, you can talk it out, but then you submit peaceably to your husband. And so where does your outward beauty come from? It's a spirit of of humility, from a spirit of gentleness and peace in your marriage. You're listening to Women's Radio. Want to hear the rest of this talk, as well as other messages for women? Then get the Women in Ministry DVD at witnesstalkradio.org. If you enjoyed this episode of Witness Radio, please rate it and share the show with others. Until next time, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and share the gospel. May God bless you. Witness Radio has been brought to you by the Muniac family.